For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Breaking now, who's now facing charges after a six-year-old brings a gun to a school? Four consecutive life sentences for a man convicted of murdering two couples playing cards in Enfield. No, we're not done with justice yet. Why the daughter of one of the victims believes this case is not over yet. Plus, the six new destinations you can soon fly directly to out of RDU. When we'll see the rain roll in, when it will be the heaviest, and the temperature plunge we'll see behind it. The unique way a Duke basketball player from Turkey is raising money to help victims in his home country after a devastating earthquake last week. Why he felt called to do something and how you can still help. Breaking news tonight, police made an arrest in connection with a six-year-old bringing a gun to school in our area. Thanks for joining us. I'm Dan Haggerty. And I'm Deborah Morgan. Sky 5 flew over Fairview Elementary in Rocky Mount yesterday. And since then, we've learned of guns on two more campuses. Mark Boyle is tracking this story in the WRL Live Center. Mark, what do we know about this person who was arrested? Well, Deborah, we know that the man's been identified as 58-year-old Marvin Davis. This happened at an elementary school, Fairview Elementary School there in Rocky Mount. Investigators say a six-year-old boy brought an unloaded 9mm handgun in his backpack to the school. Now police charging Marvin Davis. He's been charged with um, storage of firearms to protect minors, first-class misdemeanor, $4,000 unsecured bond. He will be in court in a couple of days on March 1st. It's not believed that he is related to the student that brought the gun. It's just that he lived in the same house as that student that brought the unloaded weapon to campus. This is a story we'll follow for you. We has his court appearance scheduled for the 1st of March. Mark, thank you. An 18-year-old student is facing charges after an unloaded gun was found inside his car at Cleveland High School. It's the third weapon discovered at a school in our area since yesterday. Johnston County school officials say all students and staff are safe. The gun was found in a school parking lot. The principal said it never made it into the building and no threat was made to the school or students. Joelle Thomas is charged with a felony for having a gun on educational property, among other charges. Officials also found a fixed blade knife, ammunition, and drug paraphernalia. In addition to the gun taken from that six-year-old student at Fairview Elementary yesterday, a student at Wendell Middle also had a gun. In that case, a parent was charged. Tomorrow, a funeral will be held for a student killed near Hillside High School. We've learned that 17-year-old Anthony Feaster is the teenager who died that day earlier this month. Another student was also injured. Police have not made any arrests in this case, and officers have not released any suspect information. Today, a man received four life sentences for murdering two Halifax County couples as they played cards at one of their homes. The quadruple murder unfolded more than five years ago, and that's how long it has taken for these victims' families to get closure. WRL was the only TV station in the courtroom when James Powell took a plea deal. WRL's Chris Lovingood joins us now, and Chris, that plea deal means the death penalty is off the table. Well, in exchange for life in prison, Deborah, specifically four consecutive 
consecutive life sentences for each first-degree murder charge. Now, even though this is the conclusion of the case, family members of the victims think James Powell did not act alone. This all goes back to 2017. First, James and Janice Harris and James and Peggy Whitley were killed while playing cards at a home in Enfield. Police eventually arrested Powell along with Matthew Sims, Keon West, and Ontavius Cotton in spring of 2018. But it wasn't until last February, Sims, West, and Cotton's first degree murder charges were dropped. And that's because investigators said Powell changed his story. And now Powell is going to be in prison for life. But family members of victims have a clear message after today. We've made sure that they understand and we want the public to understand that this just because he took this plea deal, this is not over. The Halifax Sheriff's Office sent this statement to WRAL that you see on your screen here. The Sheriff's Office says currently there's no evidence, new evidence that is, implicating other known or unknown accomplices. And if additional evidence is found, the Sheriff's Office says that will be investigated. Deborah. Chris Lovingood, thank you. Right now, rescue efforts are still underway in Turkey. Now more than a week after the powerful earthquake hit that region, more than 39,000 people have been killed, an astounding number. Authorities do still expect that number to rise, if you can believe it. Still, some signs of home as six more people were pulled from the rubble alive today. So hope is still alive there as well. Here in the Triangle, a Duke basketball player from Turkey is doing what he can to send help to his home country. WRL's Brett Nice shares this unique fundraiser a sophomore, Stanley Borden, put together. This is Duke's East Campus Trail, where Stanley Borden and about 50 others ran 7.8 kilometers, all in an effort to raise more than $7.8,000 for earthquake victims. Leading the way, sophomore Stanley Borden took this group of runners on a 7.8 kilometer journey. That's just under five miles. Borden is also leading an effort to help his home country. The fact that we've been able to do it at all and have this turnout has been it, it's awesome. After making sure his family was okay after last week's earthquake, Borden knew he had to do more. The 20-year-old approached Duke University staff to help him organize a fundraising effort. Even if no one from my family is injured or has died, it's almost like I'm not there again when something big is happening. And that is just, that for me made me feel this year, like I want to do something, I want to get something done. Borden says he's overwhelmed by the support his fellow students have showed him. I think it's a beautiful message to see everybody come out to help people thousands of miles away. You know, people that they don't know their names and everything else is just people. Even people who are not students ran today. Josie Pegg drove over an hour and a half to take part. You know, the earthquake was so devastating to so many people, and um, it's great that this young guy is out here just doing whatever he can to, um, you know, help people who, you know, are, are in need. So far, Borden has raised a little over $5,500. So if you want to help him get to that 7.8,000 goal, you can still do that. You can donate online. We'll have a link to it on this story on WRL.com. In Durham, Brett Nice, WRL News. Great to see all those people turn out. Well, tonight we're taking an inside look at one of Avello's Airlines planes after its move to Terminal 1 at RDU. Breeze Airways will also be taking off for the first time from RDU. It's the fourth airline to be added to RDU's lineup in 2022, joining Avello, Iceland Air, and Bahamas Air. These two developments are just an indication of the growth the airport is seeing. Carriers are starting to look at this market and are putting tremendous amount of assets in terms of aircraft. They're putting a crew base here. They're putting an airplane here. It's a great example that they're trying to keep up with the growth that we see in our local community. 
Tomorrow, the airport authority also has a meeting scheduled. At their last meeting, they discussed possible plans to address growth and expansion. All right, we got a live look at the radar behind us here. Just a moment ago, I was staring at this thing, and Kat was off camera, and I caught her looking at me like, what is this guy? Because I'm just staring. I'm trying to figure out, Kat, what does all this mean? Look at some little green coming up, a big yep. L over there near Dallas. I've got you covered, Dad. That's the extent of my knowledge, but I know we have some rain coming. Yes, we do, and it's all due to this system. So here's the front right now. Severe thunderstorm watch is the orange box that you see in Texas and Oklahoma. You can see a few stray thunderstorms popping up ahead of this system, but as it continues to move to the east, it's going to draw in a bunch of moisture from the Gulf of Mexico. So over the next 48 hours, you're going to see this come together as a pretty solid line of rain. For us, it's not looking like likely that we would see thunderstorms. It's mainly going to be rain midnight tomorrow night into Friday morning. We see the rain pushing into the North Carolina mountains. The bulk of this rain will be moving in Friday morning during the morning commute. That's when we have the best chance for rain on Friday, and this is right along a cold front. Showers stick around through lunchtime, but we see the rain tapering off from west to east throughout the afternoon hours, and then we have a wind picking up as it pushes in the colder air. I'll track the temperature drop throughout the day on Friday coming up, Dan. You did better than me. All right. Perfect. Thanks, Kat. <laughs> Only on WREL, Raleigh developer John Kane is sharing his vision for the future of North Hills. Right now, construction crews are working on two office buildings and an apartment building where the JCPenney department store stood until 2021. That was the last remaining part of the indoor North Hills Mall, which Kane demolished 20 years ago. I can't believe it's been that long. This latest redevelopment project is Kane's largest, totaling about $350 million. Getting residential on this side of the street on where the old mall was is really important to us and getting more uh, office on top of retail here is very important because we've been mostly a retail kind of an operation here. Kane tells WREL he may wait a while longer to come back to the Raleigh City Council with a request to rezone land within North Hills to allow taller towers. That rezoning started more than a year ago, but has been on hold since four new members joined the council in December. A study ranked not one, not two, but three cities in North Carolina as the fastest growing in the U.S. Two of them right here in our area. We can tell you which places have been labeled as boom towns coming up. Plus. Small businesses say the economy right now is topsy-turvy. I'll show you how a program is helping black-owned businesses right now with funding and mentorship. I'm Mark Boyle in the WREL Live Center. A Black Hawk helicopter crash just outside of Huntsville, Alabama. No survivors that we know of at this point. These are some of the photos right here. A fiery crash under investigation on your screen. The latest information right now as we get it here this evening. It's according to a source there. The helicopter belongs to the Tennessee National Guard. No survivors unknown how many people were on board and the cause of the crash is unknown. Back here in the Live Center, this is a ring doorbell camera that was just posted on the NBC affiliates website there in Alabama. Draw your attention right there in the center. You see a black dot. This ring doorbell camera captured what is believed to be that helicopter coming down and slamming into the ground. A couple seconds later uh, in this video, you'll see thick black smoke rising into the air. An absolutely frightening situation as this deadly helicopter crash is now under investigation in Alabama tonight. Back to you. Just awful. Thank you, Mark. The state treasurer is continuing to press hospitals regarding their transparency and how they're using funding. This time, he's looking at CEO salaries. WRL's Ali Ingersoll has details. 
State Treasurer Dale Fulwell's office released a 144-page report today analyzing executive salaries across the state's nine largest hospital systems, including WakeMed, Duke, and UNC. Something's wrong with health care in this state. Through records, requests, and analyzing public financial information, the report found that these systems paid 11 current or former CEOs a total of $38.7 million in 2019, which equated to enough money to pay more than 570 registered nurses. That's the same year that these systems also saw salaries surge. Have the courage to tell people what you make. The North Carolina Healthcare Association released a statement in response to the treasurer's report, pointing out several places they feel the report falls short, like recognizing how systems stepped up during the pandemic, in part saying, quote, the report fails to provide important context on significant challenges facing health system and hospital executives, challenges that demand they act fast, think outside the box, make difficult and high stakes decisions. Fulwell says his relationship with that association isn't improving, but he's hopeful they'll increase their transparency when it comes to pricing and pay. We, uh, we agree that uh, doing right is rarely wrong, and uh, we're trying to figure out what's right, get it right, and keep it right. For WRL News, Ellie Ingersoll, Raleigh. To read the full report and see the statement from the association, visit WRL.com numbers are down across the board in North Carolina, which is good. New numbers now from the state showing COVID in wastewater down 55% from last week. Overall cases reported being down 9% as well. The U.S. Department of Agriculture will provide $25 million to Wilson County to get this, convert poultry litter into energy. That means taking things like feathers, leftover feed, and even bird droppings and using that to create energy. The proposed facility would be able to power, they say, up to 16,000 homes. Some triangle-based businesses are getting a boost this month. The Coalition to Back Black Businesses is giving $5,000 grants to four local businesses. WRL's Monica Casey spoke with the small business owners about what this means for them. Business owners tell me the last couple of years have been challenging. They use these grants for rent, staffing, and to give back to the community. Nubia Harris is the owner of an education law firm working with students on special education matters. And they need us and they need people who can speak for them, who are knowledgeable about the law. She tells me the grant has allowed her firm to take on more pro bono cases. In the pandemic, pen, uh, discretionary income is limited for families, right? So they're not able to afford litigation, but some of them need to be in litigation. It's still dicey, you know, the economy's still topsy-turvy. Michael Wingfield owns Wolf Fit Raleigh. His business also received a grant from the coalition to back black businesses. What I love about owning a small business is the beautiful people in the community that actually want to help uh, make your business successful. And in turn, they find that there's value in what you do. The coalition awarded $1.62 million in grant funding to more than 300 businesses across 34 states. Harris says supporting black businesses ensures all voices are heard. Sometimes it helps to have someone that looks like you across the table. 
That was Monica Casey reporting. The grant program also includes mentoring and business coaching for all of the recipients. Two cities in our area rank among the biggest boom towns in the nation. LendingTree did this study and it found which metro areas around the country were seeing the most rapid growth. So we're talking about population, housing, employment, and income. And this year, Durham ranks seventh, Raleigh ranking eighth, both ahead of Charlotte, which came in ninth place. Austin, <laughs> Texas took that number one spot. And you know, this is a big reason why our weather and how beautiful it is here in North Carolina. Let's take a look at this time lapse of tonight's sunset over Beaufort. This time lapse is courtesy of our WRL live cam network and it's just so soothing just sitting back and watching it. Imagine it being there, it would be even better. Meteorologist Kat Campbell joining us now in the WRL Severe Weather Center to take a look at some of the um, temperatures and what else is out there on the radar. We've got changes coming our way. We can't hold on to the sunshine and mid 70s forever in February, but it was nice to see some folks out enjoying it on boats in February. Hard to believe. I did want to do a quick update on the dual Doppler 5000 radar. We had some showers earlier just an hour or two ago in the northern part of our viewing area. Those have since dissipated, so things have quieted down on the radar. We had a 20% chance for rain in the forecast today. We have a 20% chance again tomorrow during the day, but tomorrow night that chance goes up to 50% and an 80% chance for rain early in the day on Friday. The good news is it is early in the day and the Carolina Hurricanes Fan Fest will be happening in downtown Raleigh. It's a free event, so much fun planned, drone shows, fireworks, food trucks, and of course bands performing out there and some different meet and greets happening. But I did want to let you know most of the evening hours look dry. Early on since it starts at 11 a.m., temperatures will still be in the 60s, some rain around through 1, perhaps 2 o'clock. But after that, we are mostly cloudy and dry temperatures in the 50s for most of the event falling into the 40s though by 8 o'clock and a little bit of a wind chill out there so make sure that you do bring an extra layer with you. It's going to come as cold air pushes in behind this cold front here. First brings rain and then comes the cool down. So let's track the rain first before we get to the cooler temperatures. 8 a.m. tomorrow morning a quiet start perhaps an isolated shower lunchtime into the afternoon but some clearing of the clouds possible. If we see any showers throughout the day tomorrow it wouldn't be a big deal type of rain. The widespread rain does not get here until very early Friday morning, likely moving in between about 4 and 6 a.m. 8 a.m. widespread rain for the morning commute possible through about lunchtime, and then we see the rain tapering off during the afternoon from west to east. We will get in an update on our high resolution in-house future cast model, and Mike Mays will have that for you tonight at 10 on Fox 50 and 11 on WRAL. So check in for an update. Future cast dry though for Friday evening and Friday night. For now, it's nice and quiet outside. Our low temperature tonight only dips into the mid 50s, which is our normal high this time of year. So it is just exceptionally warm outside. Heading out tomorrow morning to get some exercise. It'll be much better than Friday morning to get your exercise. 56 at 6 a.m. By 10 a.m., it's already 67 degrees. Mostly cloudy in the morning, but then during the afternoon, we do see some peaks of sunshine, a small chance of a shower. Temperatures warm up into the mid 70s. So if you have some free time during the afternoon and evening, head out to one of our local parks. It'll be a beautiful day. We cool off, but it it is only temporary. Temperatures fall throughout the day on Friday, 64, likely at midnight. Then temperatures are sliding down throughout the day, 53 on Saturday. Heading into next week, though, temperatures rebound into the 60s and even right back into the mid-70s by next Wednesday. Normal high, 55 <laughs> degrees. You like that? Oh, yeah. yeah. I'll take it as long as we can. Thank you, Kat.
Governor Cooper hosted a big celebration at the executive mansion today, and it was all for NC Central football. The first Celebration Bowl victory in program history. We'll tell you more coming up. A former WRL sports anchor being inducted into the North Carolina High School Athletic Association's Hall of Fame. So deserving. Rich Brenner was the primary sports anchor here from 1978 until 1981. His passion was NASCAR, but he wanted to be there for every sporting event he could. Brenner died in 2012. He's the second former WRL sports anchor to be inducted into the NCHSAA Hall of Fame. Tom Suter was honored in 2011, and Tom credits Rich for teaching him all about television. The celebration continues for the NC Central football team. The Eagles capped off a 10-2 season and a Celebration Bowl win with a trip to the executive mansion today. The governor, Roy Cooper, hosted the team, heaping uh, plenty of praise onto the head coach of the Eagles. They handed Jackson State and former head coach of Jackson State, Deion Sanders, their only loss of the season. It was an overtime thriller back in December. And yeah... Jackson State had the superstar Hall of Fame coach. We know all about that. But it was this coach and this football team were the ones who showed up in prime time. All right? <laughs> coach, coach Trey Oliver getting the, getting the love he deserves there. Really, really nice. Congratulations to that entire, entire school and that team, of course. The first Celebration Bowl victory for NCCU. Uh in program history and That's it's got to feel deal. good yeah. a big win yeah six-time nba champion michael jordan celebrating his 60th birthday wow. uh, it was it's this friday and he's been making a huge donation 10 million dollars to make a wish yeah this is remarkable it is the largest donation ever received from an individual in the organization's 43-year history jordan hopes the gesture will inspire others to help fulfill the wishes of kids still waiting for their wishes to come true he has granted hundreds of wishes to children all over the world and remains one of the most requested celebrity wish granters. I can see why. Uh, you know, I know MJ's not hurting for money, but that's still, that's yeah. a massive donation. That's so an impact, yeah. Tonight, season nine of The Masked Singer makes its big debut on Fox 50. Yeah, it's TV's number one unscripted entertainment series. Nick Cannon hosts the competition show along with all the judges, Ken Jong, Nicole Scherzinger, Jenny McCarthy, Wahlberg, and Robin Thicke. That new season debuts tonight at 8. Enjoy. Thanks for being with us tonight on WRAL. We'll see you tonight at 10 and 11. Stop here. Continue watching on all major streaming platforms with the WRAL app. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.